Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 96. Closer and closer to 100. Hopefully we don't let you down with episode number 100, but we have some plans in the works, so hopefully you guys can join us, and we can let you know when it'll drop, and that'll be next Tuesday. So, mark your calendars, episode number 100 of Detour to Neverland, we'll try to put something fun together for you guys. So, before we head into our interview today, we are going to throw it back to our past guest spotlight, so we haven't done these in a while, because we're doing our giveaway, Um, but today, we're throwing it back to Marnie who is episode number 78. You can find her at Main Street Tourist, both on Instagram and it's MainStreetTourist.com as well. You can go read the blog. But we are giving her a shout-out today because she is in Walt Disney World as we speak. So it's a perfect time. Head over to her Instagram so you can see the stories of her experiences in the parks. That is one of the best ways to live vicariously through somebody um, is Instagram stories. So highly suggest going over there, connect with Marnie, and seeing those pictures from the parks. Yeah, so today we are really excited to be talking about vlogging and YouTube and just how to authentically answer some of those tough questions that sometimes um, you could get asked just for being a Disney fan or a Disney lover or someone who is able to go to the parks often. So today we are super excited to talk to Becca Hart. That is B-E-K-A-H Hart. Um, She does vlogging on YouTube um, and you can also find her on Instagram at that name. So we will be putting those links into our show notes um, at the end of this. But Becca, we're going to go ahead and turn it over to you. If you could just introduce yourself for our listeners um, and tell a little bit about your YouTube channel. Yeah, well, I'm super excited to be here. So thank you guys. Um, but yeah, like they said, my name is Becca Hart and I am from the Nashville area in Tennessee. And my husband's name is Andy, and he is my Disney partner. (laughs) I have drawn him into the Disney world, and he has fallen in love with it. So it's so fun that we get to do it together. Um, We have a golden doodle named Paisley. So she's our baby for now. Um, So we have a lot of fun with her. And all of our family lives here in Nashville. So we basically, when I'm not YouTubing and <laughs> recording videos and going to Disney, um, yeah, we just hang out here at home with our family, and um, that's basically it. <laughs> I love that. A, I love that you're from Nashville because yes, Nashville <laughs> Disney lovers. Yeah. Um, but also, I love that you brought your husband into this Disney world and. I don't know if it's quite an obsession for him, but I'm sure it'll get there if it's not. How did that happen? Yeah. So I, of course, I've always loved Disney. I'm sure we'll get into that. But um, it was our first year of marriage. I convinced him that we needed to go on an anniversary trip to celebrate our first year. And I convinced him that we should go to Disney World. And he definitely went reluctantly, (laughs) but he wanted to make me happy being such a sweet husband. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. This isn't really my thing, but I know you love it. So we went on our first trip together and 
he loved it. He came home and was like, okay, I finally get it. I now, I now see why you love Disney World so much. It's not just like little kid rides and hot dogs. It's like you can actually vacation. It's like a cool vacation spot for adults. And there's so much to do. And I think that was the piece that he was dying to go back because he realized that we didn't even do a fraction of what Disney offers, you know? Mm-hmm. I we watched your video with your Q and A with Andy, and I thought it was so <laughs> funny that you saw that that fa- that first trip together that it clicked for him. And we always talk about that, like as Disney people, the moment that the parks click for someone and they can see it in a different way and understand yes. that you don't have to wait more than thirty minutes for any rides. Like you can find so many other things to do. And also like that from like a business standpoint that he respects the customer service and the the vision that Walt had for it. So I think all of that is something that so many people can relate to of bringing someone into the Disney bubble that's not there to necessarily meet Cinderella and Tinkerbell, Mm -hmm. but but can look at the parks in a different way. Definitely. Definitely. So I think kind of a great foundation to lay and a way to kick off the conversation about your project and what you're working on is talking about what is your Disney story? Kind of how did it develop as this love and passion over time? And then how did that lead into starting your YouTube channel? Yeah. So I actually grew up in Orlando. So I spent all of my elementary age years in Orlando. So of course my family had annual passes to Disney World. I had several family members that were cast members at the time. And we just, it was our family thing. We just went to Disney all the time, like at least once or twice a week. (laughs) And we were either there just, let's go see the fireworks real quick and then we'll head home. Um, I was bribed to, if okay, Becca, if you can finish your homework, then we can go meet Cinderella. Um, I would have birthday parties at Disney World. We would have Friday night family dinners at the Whispering Canyon Cafe at the Wilderness Lodge. Um, It was just our life. It wasn't so much a vacation spot. It was just where we did life. And I think that's where my love for it really kind of started was just all the sweet memories. And I think the nostalgia of it for me growing up in the 90s, going to Disney World all the time, Um, It just, I loved it. (laughs) And so around middle school was when my family moved to the Nashville area. And it wasn't really until, I mean, I knew I loved Disney, but it wasn't until my adult years where I discovered the actual vacation piece of Disney World, all of the resorts, the restaurants, how much fun planning is and fast passes. And just that there was that whole element that I had never really you know, you don't really know all of that as a kid. And, and so I kind of got to discover and do all this research for the first time. And it wasn't until after college where I really started getting really into it. And I would spend all my time researching just everything there was to know about Disney. I just loved it. And this was pre even the idea of a YouTube channel. I just loved researching Disney. I would YouTube uh, like room tours of all the different resorts. I just wanted to know everything. And out of that came me wanting to talk about it all the time. And so Andy, poor thing, was victim to my 
oh my gosh, guess what? You'll never guess what Disney's doing right now, what land they're coming out with. You'll never guess what new resort they're opening in a few years. You'll never guess the new restaurant. So he got to a point where he was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> he was like, this is too much for me. <laughs> you are on a whole nother level and like you need an outlet for this. And so I started exploring like, okay, well, what does that look like? Because I can't not talk about this. I don't know why. I just love it. I can't not have this be a part of my life. And and so I started looking at what are my options? Like, should I do a blog, a YouTube channel? Should I start a Disney travel agency? You know, kind of thought through all of my options and um, and if you've, you know, if you go check out my channel at all, you'll see that there's some random little makeup videos kind of sprinkled in there too. And, and so it was like, okay, I love Disney, but I also love makeup and beauty content, which is not related to this at all, but how can I combine all of this into one thing? And so that was where the YouTube channel, kind of the idea of it was birthed. And, um, I had, of course, my favorite YouTubers that I loved watching, but that was really all I had to go off of. And yeah, so it just, this idea kind of lingered for, I would say about a year until I actually started, um, taking it seriously and thinking that, okay, I could actually do this (laughs) and starting to build the confidence, um, to actually pursue it. So that is really my story of how I fell in love with Disney and kind of transitioned into the idea of starting a YouTube channel. <laughs> and I know that it's something that you've shared on your channel about once you got the idea and then waiting for that time to act on it and waiting for the first time to put up a video. I think anybody who has put themselves out there in the content space or really products too. You have all your excuses and all your reservations and all the reasons why you can't succeed. But I think that's just something that everybody has to work through to, you know, you're never going to have the, all the equipment that you want. You're never going to have Mm -hmm. the exact right setup, but you know, and it's even something that in last episode that Andres mentioned was to put your hundredth video out, you have to put the first one out. So I think that's a, a great testament that you just have to start and you'll figure it out as a lot as, as you go. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It take it took a lot of courage to put up that first video. Um, and like you mentioned, I've, you know, I've talked about this in a couple of my videos, but, um, it's, it's nerve wracking for sure. Um, you have no idea what you're doing and you feel super awkward and, you're talking to nobody into a camera is kind of how it feels because you're starting a channel from scratch. You have zero views, zero subscribers. And so you feel like you're talking to nobody and it can feel kind of awkward. And, you know, and that was definitely something that I had to learn to get better at and to feel more confident talking into a camera. But yeah, that first video definitely takes a little bit of courage to put that out there. The other thing we have to unpack from that story, Whispering Canyon, we (laughs) ate there for the first time this past weekend. I guess the time that this airs, two weeks ago. Uh What a hidden gem. (laughs) Right? (laughs) This is our family's place. It had like the Lincoln Logs. They, I mean, and so much has changed with this restaurant though is the thing because back when we would go every week, which is so crazy to say that we were there every Friday night for 
years, really, um, they, the cast members that serve you at the tables had this little like sass to them and kind of the same vibe. Have you guys ever been to the fifties primetime cafe? Um, it's been years. Catherine, you've never been, have you? I've never been No. Yeah. Okay. Well, it kind of has that same vibe where the cast members kind of like pick fun at you and like that kind of thing. And in a very like entertaining way. Um, so that was why we loved it so much was because it was very interactive and it was almost like dinner and a show is what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, We can't even do it justice, but our server was so subtly hilarious yes. and he spoke so it. softly. Yeah. So you, you had, had to-, to like really pay attention and like listen closely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the table next to us, the guy like asked for a couple refills of Coke. So of course they bring out like the huge, like half gallon mason jar. He's like, oh, yeah. watch out. We got a heavy drinker over here. <laughs> They've done that for years. <laughs> so that fun. It was hilarious. <laughs> yep. And the who has the ketchup, that whole thing. That's always fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. The one that really got me was we asked for some extra napkins and he brought them. He said, found these that haven't even been used yet. <laughs> yeah it's a really fun spot (laughs) i almost don't want to talk about it anymore though because it was so easy to get a reservation and it was like empty yes Mm -hmm. it's our hidden gem (laughs) so in thinking or you know in looking at your channel you do have a pretty wide variety of content so you talk about trip planning and advice and reviews and you have vlogs and like you said you even have like the makeup and kind of hair tutorial videos how do you decide what kinds of content you want to create and how do you make sure that they all kind of fit together? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, I really, I mean, starting out, it's different because you're putting out very basic content, you know, Disney trip planning guide. Uh, how does the Disney dining plan work? Just very like basic Disney knowledge to kind of get your channel going. But then once I had all that information on my channel, I had to start getting a little more creative, you know, thinking, okay, how can I make my channel different? How can I stand out? And I really considered, you know, what, what are people searching for? What do people really want to know? Um, you know, in thinking what's going to be a successful video. And I kind of found this niche with even the the topic of renting DVC points. Um, I found that to be a really informative, popular topic that there's not a lot of content on that on YouTube, at least at the time when I made my first renting DVC point video a year ago. And, and then over the past year, I've made several more on that same concept. And Um, And they've all been really great because there's just not a lot of videos out there on that topic. And so I try to think in those terms of, you know, what's what's a highly searchable topic with Disney that there's not a lot of content out there on this specific thing. And and then other times I just make videos on, you know what, I'm going to make a video on how I curl my hair (laughs) at the Disney at the Disney parks. And it's probably there's, you know, there's so many videos out there like this hair tutorials and Disney park makeup stuff. But this is what I enjoy. And this is what's fun for me. So 
So regardless of how many views this video gets, I'm going to do it anyway, because this is what I love and what I think is fun. So I think I have a really good combination of both styles of videos, things that, you know, may not get as many views, but it's fun for me. And that's my main purpose of my channel is I just enjoy talking about what I'm sharing on my channel. And so, you know, I want to keep that alive as well, but then also include content that is highly searchable and that there's not a lot of other content out there on YouTube on that specific topic, if that makes sense. (laughs) I've never even thought about it that way, but I think that is so brilliant because I think the lesson to be learned there for our listeners is that you really understand the platform that you're on. Mm -hmm. So I think like, because you know that YouTube is such a search heavy query, you know, people use YouTube almost as Google now Mm -hmm. to search their questions that you have videos that cater to that, where you also have videos that cater to your passions, but also have videos that are for that allow people to get to know you and your husband better. Um, yes. through Q&As and the vlogs and things like that. So I think that is is such a magnificent approach to kind of hit all these different areas, but it's all streamlined and it all makes sense as one channel, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I also think it's something that I'm always so curious about when we think about like the vlogging aspect of it. How has that changed the way that you like go to the parks or spend your day at the park? Yeah, I really thought it would change it a lot. (laughs) I thought that, all right, I got to do anything for the video. Like forget, you know, forget how I enjoy the day. It's all for the vlog. Like I thought that's how it was going to feel, but it really hasn't felt that way at all. Um, It really just feels like okay, when we're walking from the entrance of the park to our first fast pass, we naturally would be talking to each other about what we're about to do. And so it just feels like we're getting out the camera and recording what we would already be talking about. And so it really does feel like, okay, this is super natural. And, you know, our first trip, I definitely had to get the hang of it. It's, you know, it's, it's different having a camera out, but I would say on our most recent trip, it felt so relaxed, so natural, and I didn't feel the pressure of feeling like I had to have the camera out every moment of the day. You know, I think that pressure can really take away from your time at Disney, in my opinion, and feeling like, oh, I got to get the perfect shot. I have to get, you know, everything has to be so perfect so that when I get home, I have this perfect vlog. And I think when I took that pressure off of myself and just decided, you know what, I'm going to get the camera out whenever I feel like it. And when I get home, I'll make a vlog out of it, however it ends up being, you know, and remembering that I'm, I'm doing this for fun, you know, and, and it made it so much more enjoyable. It made our trip feel just so much more relaxed. And I didn't have the pressure of this has to be perfect. Um, cause I am a little bit of a perfectionist. And so when I kind of remove that aspect from it, it really doesn't change our Disney trips. And I think even moving forward, I have every time I get better and better at it and it feels more and more natural. And I feel like each time I'm able to fully be even more present, 
on that Disney trip than the one before. So, yeah. Are you taking notes, Catherine? We should be because that's definitely something that I think, especially with Brendan, like being more into photography now, that's definitely a balance that we're working on. Like, do you bring the camera to the parks every day? Do you only bring it at night? Do you lug around a tripod? Oh, that was awful. And he made me carry the tripod all day. So it's just like finding that and, you know, what you're comfortable with. And like you said, I mean, it's just learning, you know, what you want to do and then making sure, especially since we're not local, like what you're mm-hmm. willing to put into it. Cause it's still vacation at the end of the day. Yes, so. of course. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll find that balance eventually. <laughs> but another thing that Catherine and I both remarked on that we like so much about your page is that you do tackle I don't know if taboo is the right word, but the very common questions that like a Disney fanatic gets. Things like, <laughs> why do you go so much? And how do you afford it? And I know specifically you did a video on that of how you and Andy are able to kind of shift your lifestyle and make sure that it's something that's a priority for you. Mm-hmm. So kind of I guess what my main question is, it's just kind of what led you to want to tackle some of those questions that are a little bit more personal and, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what you do, there's going to be someone saying, oh, no, you should do it this way or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, for sure. I think I think my channel, I even though I'm Disney related and, you know, I still aim to be authentic. And I, I never want to come across as somebody who feels unreachable. I just, I really want people when they watch my videos to feel like I'm just sitting in their living room, hanging out with them. And I want to be real. And so I think when people ask me questions like that, I'm happy to answer them because it makes me human. It makes me real, you know, and a kind of a strategy that I have when it comes to answering questions like that. When people ask, how do I afford to go to Disney? Well, how do I choose, you know, this is, you know, all these big questions like you're talking about, instead of me phrasing it, here's how you can afford Disney. Here's how you should plan your Disney trips. I've found that it's way less controversial when I phrase it in a way, here's how I afford Disney. Here's how I plan my Disney trips. Here's how I choose which Disney resort to stay at. And not a lot of people argue with that, you know, because it's okay. Well, that's how she does it. So it's working for her. So there's not a whole lot that other people can say, you know. Um, And so I feel like that's been actually a really helpful strategy for me when it comes to videos, where instead of phrasing the question in, here's how you should do something because, you know, people are going to take that information, you know, take it with a grain of salt, you know, and they'll have lots of comments, lots of things. And I'm, I always have to monitor comments. That's the thing. Um, But when I phrase it in a way of, well, here's what works for me. Here's what my family does. Here's what, here's how we make this work. It definitely makes it more personal and, I'm totally fine sharing, you know, here's how we shift our lifestyle a little bit to afford Disney. Um, you know, here's, here's how I, our finances work. 
in our everyday, how we're able to save for a very expensive Disney vacation. Because let's be real, Disney is not cheap. (laughs) There's no shortcut around it. Um, You know, you can find little things here and there, but Disney's expensive. And so, you know, I just think me sharing those things is authentic and it makes me a real person. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a great approach. Um, and I think, you know, that can apply to so many other different topics of questions of, of just being straightforward about things and sharing your experiences and not trying to project, you know, mm-hmm. uh, things onto other people. So I think that's a really healthy way of looking at it. Yeah. So one of the last things I wanted to cover, and then we'll head into the fast fast round and learn more about your Disney fandom is just kind of any outstanding or you know, things that we haven't mentioned of tips on how you, you know, gain exposure and grow on YouTube and, you know, is how important is consistency and getting on a schedule and, and how do you kind of carve out your own niche if there's any kind of thoughts that you have there? Yeah, for sure. There's, I mean, there's several things there, actually. I think um, consistency is definitely a, a priority of mine. Um, I used to be really strict with, okay, I post every Monday, every Thursday, and then, you know, you go on a Disney trip and, or life happens and you just can't get a video up. And I realized that as long as I'm just being consistent, that it doesn't always have to look like Monday, Thursday, every week, it can be Wednesday, Friday, or, or Monday, Wednesday, or just as long as I'm being consistent and putting content out there, it keeps traction going on my channel. Um, and so I would say another thing on top of that though, is I don't necessarily wait for other Disney YouTubers to find me. I am really searching and trying to find other channels that are similar to mine that I can comment on their videos and support them as a YouTuber, um, expecting nothing in return other than just, I just want to support other people that are doing what I'm doing. And through that, a lot of times has resulted in those people coming to my channel and interacting with me. And then we'll start messaging on Instagram and things like that. And so that's been really cool too, where you're just, you know, you just are searching for what you love to watch. And then through that comes really cool friendships. So that's another way that I have found that has really increased exposure for my channel. I think another thing with that has been, I've done a couple collaborations too with other YouTubers. Um, and so for instance, um, there's another Disney YouTuber where I did a video about the Disney dining plan and her video was, uh, they, uh, did not use the Disney dining plan. Did they save money? And mine was, I did use the Disney dining plan. Did I save money? And so it was cool. So we got to kind of support each other and point each other to point our subscribers to the other person's video. And so both of our channels got a decent amount of exposure from people who watched one thinking, oh man, I want to see the flip side to this. And then they go discover another channel that they may have never heard about. So that collaboration was really fun and it's a cool way to, you know, get your channel out there. So, so yeah, I think those are all wonderful points and I hope this doesn't sound negative in any way, but one of my favorite things to do in, especially on Instagram is searching for other Disney podcasts, especially people who are just getting started because I think 
we, Catherine and I, definitely understand the struggle of trying to get something rolling. I mean, it's I know it's similar to YouTube, that you're putting something out there that, you know, you may have four downloads and you have four family members, and that's that's <laughs> where they came from. And so it is a struggle. So I think a lot of times I try to make a point to reach out to those people. And I just, again, I hope this doesn't sound negative, but like if I comment on your post and you don't reply to me at all, I'm a little turned off. Like I'm a little like, okay, well, they're not looking for any sort of interaction. Not that I'm looking for anything back on my page or on our podcast or anything like that, but let's at least chat about kind of what's your first episode going to be about? When are you going to drop it? Things like that. Yeah. So I think it is important to be present and willing to have those interactions, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And that would be another thing. Even on my channel, I have made it a point to reply to every single comment if I can. And even if it's just, you know, hey, great video, I'm, I'm going to respond to that comment and say, like, thank you so much for watching and, and if there's an opportunity for me to ask a question and kind of interact in a dialogue with a subscriber, how cool, you know, I just think that really draws people in and it makes people want to come back for more when you interact with them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest things that we've learned just from other, you know, people who might be following along with us or listening to the podcast and even just people that we have met in the Disney community. I mean, it's all about building those relationships because ultimately that's what people come back for. That's what people follow up on or, you know, oh, well, what are they doing in the parks now? Or I want to see, you know, what new content you're putting out because they genuinely like you, you know? So I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Well, awesome. So Becca, I thank you so much for telling us more about your channel and the story of how it got started and how you've grown over time. I know hopefully so many of our listeners are going to head over there and subscribe and check you out on YouTube. And that is so great. So the next thing that we will jump into is our fast pass round. But before we do that, we're going to hear a quick message from our sponsors. So many people that we chat with are pouring themselves into one form of social media, but are looking for a secondary option. And for many of you, that might be Pinterest. The good thing about Pinterest is once you have your strategy in place, it will grow organically. Our friend Kirsten from Report the Magic has put together a Pinterest guide to help you create your strategy. So to grab that strategy kit, head to reportthemagic.com forward slash detour. Again, that is reportthemagic.com forward slash detour. Perfect. So Becca, now we're going to go into our fast pass round. So we're going to throw out these Disney topics. And if you can just kind of share the first thing that comes to your mind so our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better. Awesome. Let's do it. So the first one is an easy one. Just name the Disney parks that you have visited. So I have been to Disney World, of course, and I've been to Disneyland once. And of those that you have visited, which individual park is your favorite and why? Oh, man, I would say probably Epcot is my favorite because I love traveling the world. I have been to over a dozen different countries. And so being able to experience that in one Disney park is so amazing to me. I'm always fascinated by Epcot people just because I've, I mean, I've recently 
liked Epcot, but as a child, I wasn't. Have you always been an Epcot person or is that a new thing? It's definitely a new thing. As a kid, I remember being pushed around in a stroller, crying, thinking this is the most boring experience. (laughs) Please take me home. I just want to go home and play. And now I love it. So it's kind of funny how, you know, you grow up and, you know, you just have a different perspective of it. (laughs) For sure. The other thing, and I know this is totally random, but since you grew up in Orlando, and this is something that I just, I just dream about. Did you ever get to go on field trips to like Epcot or Disney? You know, I don't remember any field trips. And I'm sure that has to do with field trips are, for the most part, they try to keep them low budget. And so I would imagine having to ask parents to pay for their child for a Disney ticket for the day, even back in the 90s. I I would imagine that's probably why they didn't do it. I can't remember going on any field trips, though. I could totally be wrong, but I don't think we did. (laughs) We definitely went to other, you know, other local Orlando spots and things like that. But yeah, I can't remember Disney World being a being a field trip destination. (laughs) So Catherine's a middle school teacher and we saw middle school field trip while we were there this past weekend. And I asked her if that would be a nightmare trying to like wrangle kids in Disney World. Oh, it probably would be, but I just have such a fascination with it. Like how do people go on field trips to Disney? I don't know. I'm just like obsessed with it whenever we go. (laughs) So thinking forward to future Disney trips. If you could go anywhere, any location, any like Disney adventure trip, what would your bucket list trip be? So it would definitely be to Disneyland Tokyo. And I don't know why Tokyo, but it just seems like the coolest Disney park. And the the, between Disneyland Tokyo and then the Disney Sea Tokyo, I just, from the vlogs and footage that I've seen from other people that have been, it just looks like on a whole nother caliber from other Disney parks. I mean, I, I don't even know why, but it just seems like the most amazing Disney destination. And I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Tokyo too? So. <laughs> Same. That is definitely our most popular answer. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. It's almost an anomaly now if we get a non-Tokyo answer. We're about this oh, I know we I say this been... I know we say this every episode, but we're gonna change it to like, what are you most excited about when you go to Tokyo? <laughs> yes. So next one would be your favorite Disney resort. Favorite Disney resort would be the Polynesian. We have stayed there one night and it was our favorite night at Disney world ever. We just love the whole atmosphere and vibe of the resort. I don't know what it is. I think because we're like beach people that it just reminds us of being at the beach. And so when you combine the beach with Disney, it's like our ultimate happy place. And then of course, Ohana and Kona Cafe, those are some of our favorite spots to eat. So it just kind of makes sense. And then, of course, you're right on the monorail, too. So, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We definitely agree with that one. So when you typically go, again, since you're not a local person, who do you – or not – I don't even know what I'm asking. Where where do you usually stay? Do you have like a favorite resort or do you kind of switch it up? We try to always switch it up. I think – well, in the past three years that we've been going, we have yet to stay at the same resort twice. So that's been really fun because I feel like that makes each trip feel totally different because we're getting to experience a brand new resort every time. And I'm sure there will be a trip coming up soon that we stay, you know, at another resort for the second or third time. But at least for now, we're loving checking out a new resort every trip. Mm -hmm. So next one would be, if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Ugh, I don't want to give the most popular answer, but I'm going to have to. Flight of Passage. I know this is what everybody says, I'm sure, but it has to be Flight of Passage. I just think that wait time is not going down anytime soon. And it's the best ride on Disney property, in my opinion. So... (laughs) That would be my forever fast pass ride. I feel like because a lot of people, like you said, they think it's the most popular answer. Not as many people answered as I anticipated. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to hear. (laughs) Would you say that, Catherine? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think it's definitely one that gets mentioned frequently, but it's definitely not like the bucket list. (laughs) Like everyone says Tokyo. So that's a good one, though. We can always agree with that one. I've said it forever. And I'm fine. I'm going to do it eventually. I'm going to make a matrix of all of our guests and all of their answers to these questions. <laughs> and we're going to tally them up. Yes, we should. That's our 100th episode now. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. So the next one, which ride do you think is due for either an exit or a refurbishment from the parks? Okay, so I feel like this is going to be a pretty controversial answer. Like this is super unexpected. Let me just warn you. I would have to say, and it's funny because this ride actually just got a refurbishment, but I feel like it could have been done better. Flight, not flight of passage, Peter Pan's flight. (laughs) That would be, that would be my ride. That's it needs a refurbishment. It needs a better refurbishment. And I feel like that ride is such a classic. I love it so much. And the whole concept of being in this sailboat and you're looking down at this world of the Peter Pan world. And I know they just did a refurbishment, but I just feel like they could take it to another level. And I feel like it has the potential to be the coolest ride, but it almost doesn't like match with some of the technology that they've done in the frozen ride and seven dwarves mind train. You know what I mean? I just feel like they have the ability to make it something so cool. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. I love it though. Is the thing. I just feel like it has the so much more potential. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I can see that. I feel like you could probably apply that same logic to so much of Fantasyland. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, I don't even know what I think. I think that's a fair answer, though. I think it does have a lot of potential. Yeah. So cool. next one would be your favorite snack or a go-to snack? 
Okay, so this is nothing super exciting. I'm super boring, but I would have to say either a Mickey pretzel or a Mickey Rice Krispie treat. I'm super boring, but I love knowing that I can come back to the park and that snack will be there forever. (laughs) That my favorite snack isn't something that's like limited edition or anything like that that's going to sell out and I can find my favorite snacks every corner. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And I crave those Mickey pretzels. Oh, every day, all the time. (laughs) And it's not a complete Disney trip without a Mickey pretzel with that cheese sauce. And same thing with that Rice Krispie treat. Um, They just have the best Mickey Rice Krispie treats. I don't know what they do, but theirs are the best. So I know I'm super boring, but (laughs) those are my favorite Disney snacks. Catherine, do you realize that we just went on this trip and you never had a Mickey bar and I never had a Rice Krispie treat? I know that is really upsetting, but we, I think we were very aware this time that we always do the same thing and we tried really hard to be adventurous and sometimes it didn't work out. Sometimes we were pretty disappointed by it, (laughs) but yeah, that is, that is alarming because I don't think that's ever happened before. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. I feel like I should venture out, but maybe I should venture out in addition to my Mickey pretzel and Rice Krispie treat. (laughs) That's what I would recommend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so sticking with food what is your favorite table service restaurant and your favorite quick service restaurant my favorite table service restaurant would have to be california grill i i love the whole experience of it it just it's more than just a place to like oh let's go grab dinner it's it's an experience, you know, you have to go at the time of the fireworks, you get this amazing view, they dim the lights with the music. And then of course, the cast members in the service is just, I mean, fabulous. And the food is delicious. And we've never had a bad experience there. So definitely my favorite table service meal. What about quick service? And quick service, no question, Satuli Canteen. I love Satuli Canteen. We eat there every Disney trip. <laughs> as much as we try to try to experience new quick service restaurants and new food and new everything, we just can't not go to Satuli Canteen. We love it. It is like the best. We think it's the best quick service on Disney property. So that's our favorite for sure. <laughs> mm. We missed that one too. We did. <laughs> But I think that one is so great because, I mean, we all love Disney food, obviously, but especially after coming back from this trip, I'm like, I can't look at a French fry. Like, I don't want to look at anything fried. Like, at least when you go to Satouli, like, it's fairly healthy. Like, it gives you that break to make you think, like, I'm not just eating more garbage. (laughs) Yes, totally. And that's why we love it is because you can, you know, you can do the make your own bowl thing. And you feel like you're getting a break from all those, you know, like I said, Mickey pretzels and Rice Krispie treats. And, you know, you can eat semi-healthy and kind of, yeah, take a break from the junk food for a minute. Mm-hmm. So next one would be your favorite character meet and greet moment. Okay. So this, I actually do have a really sweet story. So we are not so currently like our adult years. We're not big character meet and greet people. We just, I don't know. We, we just prefer 
the rides and just being in Disney. We don't, we're not super drawn to the characters, but this is a story from when I was actually really little at Disney world. This will forever be my favorite character interaction moment. So, you know, in the nineties when they had those like huge video cameras where you like kind of rested on your shoulder and you know, the whole thing. Well, my mom had, you know, we'd spent the day at Epcot meeting all the characters and my mom had recorded on a huge tape on this big video camera, um, all of our character interactions. And she always videoed our Disney trips. I mean, we were vlogging, I guess, from, you know, at such an early age. (laughs) And so at some point in the day, we lost the video camera. I'm not sure how you lose that, but it was lost. <laughs> so we we go to Lost and Found, and I'm probably four or five years old at this point, but we go to Lost and Found, and my mom was so upset that she lost the video camera that had all this sweet footage of us meeting the characters, and Disney being Disney, they said, here, why don't you borrow this video camera from us, and you can keep the tape and re-record everything. And we're going to give you a private uh, viewing time with the characters backstage. So they escort us behind the America Pavilion. We go back behind some big gate. And it was just me and my mom and dad and my younger sister and this cast member escorted us back there. And they bring out all of the characters. And it's just us. And it was Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Pluto, Donald, Winnie the Pooh, uh, Mary Poppins, Tigger. I mean, they just brought out at least a dozen characters. And we got to re-film and re-record all of these character interactions, except it was just us back there. So, and this one cast member. And so we spent probably half an hour back there with these characters and we re-recorded Um, all of our video footage, but that will forever be my favorite. Even though I was little, I totally remember it and it will forever be my favorite Disney character moment, probably Disney moment in general, but that's, that was my favorite character moment. That is the coolest story ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Man, I am so jealous. (laughs) I think that's just so sweet too, because that's something so just like out of the box, you know, you don't hear about like Disney doing, I mean, you hear about Disney doing amazing, sweet things and helping mm-hmm. people out, but that's so just like out of the box that you would never even think that they right? could compensate someone in that way. But that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, we found the video camera, our original one. Uh. <laughs> so you have two. <laughs> no. So we had all the original footage on our own video camera, but then we got to keep all the footage from this private character meet and greet with everybody. So it was pretty cool. I'm sure we still have it in storage somewhere too. That'd be really cool to find. Mm -hmm. So the next one would just be your favorite Disney movie. My favorite Disney movie has to be just, it's just the classics. I'm torn between the original Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid. I think because those two movies were my childhood and I would watch those movies on repeat. I mean, I would literally finish the movie and then press rewind and wait for it to rewind in the VCR until I could press play again. And I think it just holds such sweet memories that those will forever be my favorite Disney movies. 
Good choices. <laughs> Next one would be your favorite Disney song. Okay, this is one of the questions that I had trouble with. I don't know if I have an answer for a favorite Disney song. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I'm crazy. Are you someone who like listens to like the um the park loops or anything on YouTube while you're working or anything like that? Okay, I do listen to those. Um, okay, this is funny actually. Okay, okay, I got it now. Okay. <laughs> the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, the one where she's uh there's like almost like a dialogue at the beginning and she's talking and she's walking through the town with the books and she's returning her book and do you know the song I'm talking about? I can't remember what it's called. I think it's just called Bell, right? Yes, that I love that song. I listen to that all the time and I don't know why. And I even like I'll sing along with the dialogue part of it. It's so weird. <laughs> and I know every word and all of Bell's voice inflections, I can like mirror it perfectly. I don't even know if that's something to be bragging about, but <laughs> <laughs> That definitely yeah. sounds Such like something my song. sister could do. <laughs> Such a random song to be my favorite, but I don't know. That's the one I'm always, if I'm in the mood for Disney music, I turn on Belle. <laughs> it's on that uh, 90s, Disneyland 90s night playlist. And it's <laughs> like, that's my go-to Disney playlist. So we hear yep. it quite often in our house. We do. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I'm not alone there. <laughs> So our last question of the Fast Pass round, and you might have already shared it with your backstage video, but your favorite Disney parks memory. I know that's going to be tough to come up with something different from my from my character meet and greet story. Um, I would probably have to say the first time I took Andy, my husband, to Disney, I think, and watching the fireworks with him. It just, he may have not felt that magical feeling, but I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) That first trip, that trip will always hold such a special place in my heart because for the first time I got to share something that I loved so deeply and was so sentimental about with the person that I care the most about. And it was just, I remember standing next to him. We were like holding hands, watching the fireworks. And I started crying and he's thinking like, oh my gosh, like, why are you crying? <laughs> like, but it just was emotional for me because I, I don't know, it was almost like, oh, man, this came full circle for me. You know, I grew up here. I fell in love with this place as a child. And now I'm standing here with my husband and who graciously <laughs> decided to come on this trip with me because he knows I love it. And, you know, now he loves it just as much, well, almost just as much as me, but that will forever be my favorite Disney moment was watching the fireworks with him for the first time in Magic Kingdom. That is awesome. Yeah. I love that one. That's a great uh, memory. So our very last question for you is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this community, either as a Disney content creator, or maybe they want to open up their own shop and sell products, what would be your advice to that person? I would say all of the strategizing that you go through beforehand, 
don't overthink it. Just go for it because there's never going to be the perfect time, the perfect season of life, the perfect opportunity where you have all the best equipment or the right software or whatever it is. And just use what you have and go for it. And even if you stumble in the beginning, kind of your way through it, just keep going and don't get discouraged if it doesn't uh, have the traction that you were hoping for in the beginning and keep pursuing it because you love it. Let that be your motivation, not for the numbers or the money or any other perk that comes later on. Um, Let it be because you genuinely love what you're doing and because you're passionate about it. Let that be the thing that really drives your either your YouTube channel, your shop, your podcast, your blog, whatever it is, let that be what drives it and you won't fail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that is excellent advice. Uh, I think that's so applicable um, to any of our listeners who are looking to make that leap. So Becca, thank you so much for everything. This has been such a fun chat. One last thing before we go, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. Yes. So my YouTube channel name is Becca Hart and Becca is B-E-K-A-H and Hart is H-A-R-T. And then I'm on Instagram at Becca.Hart. Perfect. I highly suggest to our listeners, go over there, connect with Becca, see if there's any collaboration opportunities, whatever it might be, follow along, consume all that content. So Becca, thank you so much for joining us today. We've really had a blast chatting with you. Thank you guys so much. This has been a lot of fun. Do you like Star Wars? How about Marvel? How about Disney? If you answered yes to any of these, we'd love to have you listen to our new podcast, Kingdom Outcast. We're just three guys chatting about news, topics, and events in the Disney universe. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.